Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. I'm just going to pray first of all. This is not, I don't normally stand up on the stage and, as, as you know, just pray. Lord, Lord, we just pray this morning that it would be um, your words that come across. It's, it would be your will uh, in, in this testimony, Lord. It's your testimony. It's, um, and we want to give you the glory this morning. Uh, just ask you to help me through it and to just to emphasize the important parts as well. Pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, as Pastor Steve has said, yeah, as you can probably hear, I'm English. And, um, and just, just to, to tell you my story, going back um, right to the very beginning, um, my parents had uh, my sister Beryl and I christened, and we were very lucky because the church was at the bottom of our road, so we didn't have far to go, Okay. And uh, there's some truth in that story, isn't there, about the people that live the closest to the church are usually the last to arrive because you think you've got extra time. Anyway, um, we were both encouraged by um, our, our parents to go to Sunday school. I mean, my dad didn't really go to church, but my mum used to go to the first service of the morning, which was quite short. But we were encouraged to go to, to Sunday school. And I, st- I still remember there were two elderly sisters called the Miss Bethels, who, thinking back now, I know that they were born again because they were, they were really lovely people. It's funny, isn't it? In your life, you have these significant people that make a difference. Anyway, things went on. We, we grow, grew up and we went, both my sister and I joined the church choir. Um, there was my, an aunt and uncle and several of my cousins that were also in the choir. Uh, and yeah, so all my life, um, I've loved music and singing that's, that's been part of it, and I loved all of that, and I still do, that, that side of things. Um, the, the, the best thing about being in the church choir was that you got paid for it. That was good. And, and um, even better, if there were some weddings on a Saturday, you got paid extra for those. So, I mean, I, I can remember as a young lad of eight or nine going on a Saturday, and we had three weddings one week, you know, so it was a real money earner. It was great. It was absolutely great. Anyway, um, yeah, so carried on going to church. And then as I got older, we were encouraged to get confirmed. So, and that was where the bishop from the, the, the local area came along and, and we, we were confirmed. Um, but I have to say that throughout all of this, going to church, it was a regular thing. Um, I didn't know anything about the gospel, which is the good news, you know. So it was all, all a ritual. It was all part of going through a ceremony. Our church, um, I suppose, um, it was a, it's a Church of England, but it had bells and smells, if that means anything to you. So it was almost a Catholic church, really, you know. Um, but it, so it was all a routine. Anyway, uh, when I was 17 years old... Um, I was fortunate enough to join something called the Police Cadets. 
ever since I was this high, I'd, I wanted to join the police, you know, just something that I'd wanted to do. And a way into that was through the police cadets. It's like an apprenticeship, if you like. So you went out, you did, we did training, and then uh, we went out um, with police officers on, on patrol and doing different things. And also, other times, they would send you away on a, an outward-bound course and stuff like that. And, and interesting things like going to... I spent a month at a place called the School for the Deaf uh, in a place called Margate in, in England... Um, where I had to help um, people that couldn't hear. Um, and that was quite an eye-opener, you know, you just things that you take for granted. Anyway, um, and part of this was an early insight into to life and death. You know, as, as a young 17-year-old, I can remember, still remember seeing the first... We, we, we found this person who had died out in the fields in a cold February morning. I can still picture it in my mind, you know. And you suddenly think, well, it sort of makes you grow up fairly quickly, I have to say. Um, I still went to church when I could. And then at the age of 18 and a half, I joined the, the regular police as a constable. And after training, I was sent to a place called Gravesend. Okay, and I'll say I haven't made that up. There is a place. <laughs> and you think, why would you want to go there? But anyway. Um, and... At that sort of age, I was throw, thrown into dealing with all sorts of things. So you can imagine as a... I don't know how many people of 18 and a half we've got here today, but can you imagine being sent along to somebody's house to deal with a married couple that are having an argument? It's quite eye-opening, really, isn't it? Um, so I was very young. Um, and during this time, I began to see people's lives, thinking there must be a way out for people. This can't be it. Um, I thought you can lock somebody up, but if they don't want to change, you can't make them, can you? And that's the reality. Um, so during this time, it's funny, isn't it, how God works? I met some Christians or people that went to church at work who invited me to a Christian police meeting. And I thought, well, I would go with them as I was a Christian and, and I went to church, that would be fine. So... I can still remember it. We went to this other couple's flat some miles away one evening and there was a group of about 20 people there and everything was nice until they all started praying their own prayers. And I wasn't used to that. You know, I'd gone to a church where all the prayers were read out of a book and you just repeated it after someone, you know. And to actually be with people that actually um, wrote a prayer or, sorry, said a prayer from their hearts, it was quite challenging. Um, anyway, after two years of training as a, as a constable, I was given a beat, that's an area of the town, uh, quite a challenging area with a quite a large estate and block of flats. And uh, I also met this couple that lived there and the, the, the husband um, got to know him and he told me that he'd been convicted of manslaughter, that's killing someone uh, not deliberately, but obviously he was guilty of that. But he was a Christian. And he lent me a book called The Rapture. I don't know anybody here has ever read it. And it talks about uh, Christ, Jesus Christ coming back and some people would be taken up and some would be left behind. And that really disturbed me because I thought, well, I don't want to be left behind. Um, so it, it got my thoughts going. 
Anyway, I went to another uh, one of these meetings uh, with these friends from church. Um, and funnily enough, the person that was preaching was Irish. It's funny, isn't it, how these things come around? And he preached the gospel. And it made me feel very uncomfortable. And I remember thinking, how does this person know all about me? It's, it's strange, isn't it? Um, and actually, because of that, I couldn't get out of the building fast enough because I knew that I was a sinner. And that's what it says in the Bible. Um, I'm just going to look at this. It's a word called conviction, isn't it? And I know now that that's, that's what it is. And, and the definition of conviction is a formal declaration by the verdict of a jury or the decision of a judge in a court of law that someone is guilty of a criminal offence. Or it's a firmly held belief or opinion he takes pride in stating his political convictions. So that was me. And that's what, that's what happens when I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to you directly to your heart, that you become convicted, you realise that actually I'm not all that I should be. Um, anyway, after this, um, a new sergeant arrived at the police station um, and those that knew him said, he's a nice bloke, but he's one of these born-again Christians. And I'd heard of this, but I didn't really know what that meant. Um, and then later on that year, there was an industrial dispute that the police were brought in to keep the peace. That's what you do. You don't take sides. You just make sure that people can go about their business, whatever that is, you know, even if they disagree with one another. And, um, and this sometimes involves staying away for, from home for a few days anywhere in the country. So we went, first of all, to Leicestershire, if you know England, and Derbyshire. And then later on we went to, there were three coal mines in Kent near Dover. Uh, and they were long days because uh, we had to, to be on the picket line at the beginning of the, the miners' shift and then wait around all day until the end of the shift. Um, and I also saw during this time how nasty people could be even to people they had lived and worked with for years because some didn't want to strike and that sort of thing, you know, so it was quite an eye-opener. And during the downtimes, Reg, this, this sergeant, would have some, he would call it, interesting discussions. And after one of these interesting discussions, um, Reg said, John, there's, a, there's a, a guy called Eric Delve that's got a, um, a meeting in a tent just outside the town where my parents lived on Monday evening, would you be interested in going? I went, yes, I would, I would, you know. Then I thought, well, now I've said that to Reg, because he's such a nice guy, I'm going to have to go. So I went home, saw my parents. Uh, I can still picture it now. It was a, a mon Monday evening, and it was absolutely pouring down with rain. And um, I said to my parents, oh, you know, there's this meeting in this tent. Um, would anybody be interested in coming with me? No, was the answer. So I thought, oh, okay. Um, look, I thought, I will go anyway. At least I can just pop my head in for a few minutes. Uh, I don't have to stay. Um, and then I can tell Reg that I actually popped him the next time I see him, and that would be all right. So I went there, um, parked my car, went into this tent, and it was absolutely packed. There was, it was full of people. 
So I sat down on a chair, and um, after I'd been there about five minutes, the, the person conducting the meeting said, look, he said, oh, we've got so many people waiting to come into this tent. I wonder if some of you would be good enough to give up your seat. There's an overflow tent at the back to let more people in. And because my parents had brought me up properly, I thought, yeah, of course I'll give up my seat. You know, I'm only going to be here a few minutes anyway. So, I'll, I'll, so I went round into this, <laughs> this overflow tent. And uh, there was just, it was just a smaller marquee. And if, if you can just picture it, there were two sort of speakers on the stage. So I couldn't, you couldn't see what was going on in the main tent at all. You, you just had to listen. And um, so there I was. And then... This guy, Eric Delve, he started preaching on Acts 9. I'm going to read that to you because I think it's important. Um, and it's all about Saul and how he got, got saved. So Acts chapter 9 says, Now Saul, still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So in other words, he was after the Christians. And it came about, as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and it should be told you what you must do. And the men who travelled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground and brought his eyes, both though his, his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. It's interesting, that road, I think, in other versions, is called the straight road, isn't it? So, and as, as you've probably seen what the theme is today, it wasn't the, the bendy road. It was the straight road, and I think that's significant as well. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, and go to the street called Straight, and there it is, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man named, from Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon thy name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings, and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. And what was funny about that, Eric, Eric Dale was a bit of a character, so he was, he was emphasising on Ananias. Ananias isn't mentioned any other place in the Bible that I'm aware of at all. 
but he was obedient, wasn't he? He was told to go, and you know, he said, "Look, um, this this guy basically Saul was a murderer. And you want me to go and pray pray with him?" Um, <laughs> so it took something like that to speak to me as a policeman. You know, it had to be murder, didn't it? Really, because you can't get any worse than that, can you? To think, well, if God can save a murderer. He can do something in my life, you know. Um, so when, the, when there was a, an appeal made, I knew this time that I couldn't run away from it. I had to respond. Uh, so I went forward and, that, and I, that night I gave my life to Jesus. Okay. Um, so what am I saying really is that despite going to church for 24 years, I haven't ever realised that this had been done for me. Um, that's 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 the position that we all need to come to, isn't it? That Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, because none of us of our own strength are, are worthy. You know, all of us are are sinners because none of us are perfect. Um, so then I started going to Reggie's church for a bit, and then um, I was living in in a town called Dartford, and I went to a, the church that. We spent a long time in Emmanuel Pentecostal Church. Um, Dartford Church had links with Cork Church. Fane Austin, who was our senior minister, Kate, was known over here in Ireland by many. There's many in this congregation that, that knew him. Um, there I met my wife Catherine at Dartford Church and we had three boys. Benny's number three. <laughs> um, I went on to complete 30 years plus in the police. Uh, I was part of the Christian Police Association as well, which was mentioned earlier. Um, other things we've done, we spent 15 years fostering, uh, where we came across our other son, Bradley. Um, so you might say, well, you know, if you, if you make this decision for Jesus, is everything rosy when you're a Christian? No, it isn't. Um, but I don't know uh, if we've been able to come through some of the many trials that come along without knowing Jesus for us, for myself. So if you're just going to church like I was for 24 years and you haven't received the gift of life that Jesus died on the cross for you, um, if you let him in, God will take you on a journey. And it's a great journey, I can tell you. Exciting journey. I mean, during that, he's brought us here to Cork in Ireland. You know, who'd have thought that? Um, so just to, to, to round up, I just want to think, what, what would you like every day to think about? And this is just something that came in my daily readings two, a couple of days ago. And I thought, yeah, this is so true. And I'm sure you all recognise this. God be in my head and my understanding. God be in my eyes and in my looking. God be in my mouth and in my speaking. God be in my heart and in my thinking. God be at my end and at my departing. That's what I pray for everybody here. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, Matthew's uh, chapter. 11 verse 28 is come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Good morning, court, torch. How are you this morning? 
Very good. I'm so happy. Uh, I ask for Ivan come to translate to me because have some word word I very difficult for I speak. But I know God spoke in your heart this morning. Um, I don't know how, uh, how long I have for speaking my testimony. <laughs> but I need you two or three days for speaking my testimony. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Meu testemunho é um pouco longo. My testimony is a little long. I talk horror about translate to me because I have too much Brazilian here and I don't speak English. I need to speak Portuguese for too long. Amen? Meu testemunho é um pouco longo. My testimony is quite long. Eu quero dar um resumo assim geral. And I'm going to just summarize it. Para você entender. So you can understand it. Eu fui criado numa família com oito irmãos. I was brought up in a family with a lot of um, siblings. Minha família, no geral, era 14 irmãos. My family, in general, there was 14 siblings. Quando meu pai casou com minha mãe, ela teve 14 filhos. When my parents got married, they had 14 children. E vivos ficaram muito. And a living, there were nine left. Meu pai ficou casado com minha mãe 50 anos. My dad was married to my mother for 50 years. E foi um exemplo para nós. And it was an example to us. Apesar que meu pai é alcoólatra. Even though my father was an alcoholic. E ele bebia muito. He just drank too much. E ele trabalhava fora. And he worked out. E nós meu irmão que tomava conta de nós. And my brother, my older brother would look after us. E meu irmão era da polícia militar. And he was part of the military police. E ele tomava conta enquanto meu pai estava trabalhando fora, ele tomava conta de nós. And while my my father would would go to work, he would look after us. Só que meu irmão era um homem muito violento. But my brother was a very violent man. E nós íamos para a escola. And we would go to school. E nós tirávamos notas boas. And we would get good grades. E nós apanhávamos. And we would, he would still beat us. Se nós tirávamos nota ruim, nós apanhávamos. If we were at bad grades, he would still beat us. Se nós estava alegre, nós apanhávamos. We were happy, he'd beat us. Se nós estava triste, nós apanhávamos. If we were upset, he'd beat us. Nós apanhávamos todos os dias. He would beat us every day. E depois nós fomos ficando maior. And then we, um, as we got older. Eu quero deixar bem claro para os irmãos que não é gangue da maneira que os irmãos entendem. What I want to just make it clear to you is that I wasn't a gangster in the way you're thinking of. Eu tinha um, nós tinha um grupo de amigos adolescentes. We had a group of friends, like teenage friends. E então nós íamos para as baladas, nós íamos para as festas. And we would go to our parties and clubs. Às vezes nós brigávamos ali, mas um defendia o outro. And we would fight, you know, there, but we would you know, um, defend each other. Mesmo porque eu sabia que quando chegava em casa a gente ia apanhar. Because I knew when we would get home that I'd get beat. Porque meu irmão era muito severo. Because my um, brother was very violent. Eu, eu não sei se você está me entendendo. I don't know if you understand, but. Porque na minha época. At my time. É, quando o pai saía, o filho mais velho tomava conta da família. When the father was out of the house, the the oldest son would look after the family. E então eu comecei a ficar maior. So as I grew older, 
tínhamos que andar na linha. We had to walk on the fine line. Nós nunca usamos droga na nossa vida. We never use drugs. É, a gente saía para beber e, e e ali às vezes a gente fazia uma bagunça, mas era coisa de adolescente mesmo. We would go out drinking and there we would mess around, you know, like teenagers at the time. Porque nós sabíamos que quando chegava em casa nós ia apanhar. And we knew when we would get home what we were expecting. É, engraçado, né, que depois que meu irmão casou, and then funny thing is after my brother got married, ele nunca bateu no filho dele. He never beat his son. Porque não era filho dele. Nós não era. Because we weren't his kid. E nós tínhamos tudo para ser uma pessoa desqualificada. And we had everything to become um, people, unqualified people. Nós tínhamos tudo para ser uma pessoa ruim. We had everything to become bad people. E eu tenho um irmão, ele mora aqui na Irlanda, ele mora em Wexford. I have a brother who lives here in Ireland in Wexford. E ele foi para a igreja aos 12 anos de idade. And he He went to church when he was 12 years old. Foi o primeiro que foi para a igreja. He was the first one to go to church out of all of us. E depois a minha família começou a ir para a igreja através dele, 12 and, anos de idade. And then my family started to go to church because of him at 12 years old. E eu completei 18 anos. And I turned 18. E eu fui para para o exército. And I went to the army. É, o exército na época nós era um presidente militar. And at the time we had a very a military based president. 1982. 1982. Era um presidente o general João Batista Figueiredo. It was a president general João Batista Figueiredo. E e quando eu fui para o exército eu fui preparado para ser é, para nós é, guardar o presidente. And when I went to the army, I remember I went ready to protect this president. Então nós fazia a guarda do presidente quando ele chegava no palácio e quando ele saía do palácio. So when he would come to the palace, we would do the whole security um, side of it and protection e, every time he came in and out. E eu fui é, qualificado como o melhor atirador da época. And I was qualified the best shooter at the time. E então eu era um dos que fazia a, a, a guarda presidencial. So I was one who would look after the presidential. Eu só estou dando uma pincelada para que os irmãos possam entender. I'm just pinching through so you can understand. A palavra que eu li. The word that I read. Para que os irmãos vão entender mais na frente. But you will understand what I'm trying to say. E então no exército eu era uma pessoa muito violenta. So when I joined the army then and while I was there I was a very violent person as well. Porque no exército ele te ensina a ser uma boa pessoa. Because the army will teach you to be a good person, ou uma má pessoa, or a bad person. Porque se você tiver a natureza para o lado ruim, você vai ser uma das pessoas mais perigosas que existe. Because if you already have that bad nature, then you will become one of the most dangerous people to ever live. Porque você conhece todo tipo de arma, você aprende todas as técnicas. Because you get to know all types of weapons and you learn all different techniques. Mas Ali quando nós estávamos ali, você aprende a cozinhar, você aprende a passar roupa, você aprende a fazer de tudo. Porque o exército do Brasil é diferente do exército aqui da Irlanda. Because the, the army in Brazil também. is different to here in Ireland. Porque o, o jovem ele é, ele é obrigado a tirar o a servir o exército. 
Because there, uh, when you reach a certain age, you are obliged to join the army. Quando você completa 18 anos, você é obrigado a ir para o exército. When you become, when you turn 18, if you're male, you are obliged to join the army. A não ser que você tenha um problema de saúde. Unless you have a health problem. Ou você tem um problema físico. Or a physical problem. Mas tirando disso, você é obrigado a ir. But after that, you are obliged to go. E e quando você vai é, você precisa de um documento depois que você tira o tempo você precisa de um documento para você trabalhar em qualquer área no, no país se você não tiver esse documento você não arruma trabalho If you don't have this document, you don't find work. porque você é obrigado a servir o exército Because you're obliged to serve in the army. e se você não serve eles vão te dar um documento que você foi dispensado do exército. And if you don't serve, they'll give you a document that says you were dismissed from the army. Por físico ou qualquer um outro distúrbio. For a physical or any other. Então, uh, nós, nós fazíamos quando nós tirávamos o tempo, nós tirávamos ali e talvez nós ficávamos a madrugada adentro passando roupa, arrumando porque no outro dia nós tínhamos que apresentar cedo. So when we we had our evenings we would spend a lot of the night just doing ironing our clothes and getting ready because we had to get up very early in the mornings porque a companhia que eu servia era 400 homens because the company i served in was 400 men e então tinha as beliches so we had the bunk beds então se você entrasse num num building num pavilhão como esse if you entered a building like this é, você ia ver as, as camas divididas em pavilhão. You would see the beds divided, the bunk beds throughout the building. E, então ali tinha tudo tudo cronometrado, tudo no, no momento que eles queriam. And everything was um, in a timely manner, whatever time they wanted and expected eu não, it. Eu não sei se tem algum jovem brasileiro aqui que já tirou o tempo no Brasil. I don't know if there's any young Brazilian person here that took, had spent this time in Brazil. Então todo mundo na hora de tomar banho, aquele, aquele banho, chuveiro assim, não tem porta nem nada. Chuveiro para todo lado. So when you had to go for a shower, there was just a long showers everywhere, there's no doors, nothing. Então assim, cinco minutos para tomar banho, já tá trocado e já tá em posição de sentido. And you had five minutes to get showered, get dressed and ready to serve. Então ali tinha muitas pessoas Diferente, diferentes cidades, diferentes regiões. So in that place, there were so many people from different regions, different places around Brazil. Então eu me lembro que uma madrugada eu estava passando roupa, é, o pessoal estava passando roupa, já eram as duas horas da manhã. And I remember there was one night, it was around 2 a.m., people were, we were all ironing our clothes. E eu tinha que passar minha roupa porque no outro dia cedo eu também tinha que entrar para trabalhar. To, I had to iron my clothes because I needed to be ready early the next morning. E tinha um, um, um outro rapaz que ele não queria que eu pegasse o ferro. And there was another guy there who was arguing with me, didn't want me to take the iron. E ele fez de tudo para mim não pegar aquele ferro. And he did everything he could so that I wouldn't get the iron. E eu fiquei muito nervoso na hora. And I got very angry. E eu peguei e segurei ele na parede. And I held him to the wall. E peguei o ferro e passei na cabeça. And I took the iron and I ironed his head. E queimou. I burnt his head. E, e eu fui disciplinado por causa disso. And I was disciplined for this. E, mas é para os irmãos entender a minha história. But just so, so you understand the, the, how violent it was. E o comandante do, 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 da companhia. And the commander of the, 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 the sector. Ele queria que eu continuasse servindo o exército. He wanted me to continue serving the army. E minha família não queria. But my family didn't want me to. Porque eu ficava longe da minha família 
É, porque era em Brasília e eu morava em Goiás. Então, era cento e poucos quilômetros de diferença. E eles não queriam que eu ficasse Because lá. Porque eu estava longe da minha família e eu estava em um E o comandante queria que eu fizesse o curso para sargento. E o comandante queria E porque eu era uma pessoa qualificada. Because I was qualified for it. Apesar de eu ter feito essa, é, esse, esse acidente com esse rapaz. Even after um, doing this with this guy, um, I was still qualified for it. They still wanted me to go for it. E depois disso, todo mundo ficou com medo de mim. But then after that, everyone was afraid of me. O pessoal já, onde eu chegava, o pessoal já se retirava de mim porque sabia que eu era uma pessoa brava. Uh, whenever I would walk in the room, people would just walk away from me because they knew I was an angry man. Eu não sei se você tem ideia, porque dentro do exército, se você é, é, entrega alguém, se você fala é, é, fofoca de alguém. I don't know if you know, but when you're in the army, if you gossip about someone. À noite eles resolvem o problema da pessoa. At night they would solve that problem. Quando você vai dormir, eles apagam toda a luz do pavilhão. When you would go to bed, they would turn off all the lights in então, the building. A pessoa que fez aquilo que te agravou alguma coisa. So the person who gossiped about you or did something towards you. Você junta quatro soldados. There would be four soldiers get pega together. Uma, pega um cobertor. They grab a sheet, a blanket. Põe em cima da pessoa. And wrap on top of the person. E o outro pega um cinto e. And the other one would grab a belt and. Quando o, os, a guarda chega. So when by the time the, the guards would come. Cada um corre para sua cama e ninguém sabe quem foi. Each one would just run to their beds and you would know who it was. Mas eu conversei isso para você entender o que eu quero dizer. But for you to understand what I'm trying to say. E quando eu fui para a igreja. When I went to church. Minha mãe arrumava minha roupa. My mom would tidy my clothes. E ela falava hoje você vai na igreja e falava And she would say today you're going to church. I would say yeah. Eu já tinha, já tinha voltado do exército. I had already come back from the army. E ela fala, arrumava minha roupa e falava, você vai para a igreja hoje? Eu falava, vou. And she would get my clothes ready and ask me if I was going to church. I would say, yeah. E meus colegas chegavam e eu ia para a balada voltava só no outro dia. My friends would come. I would then go out with them and come back the next day. E assim por muitas vezes. And I did that for many times. Mas o dia sobre essa palavra. But there was a day upon this word. Eu já estava cansado. I was tired. Já estava, eu tinha um vazio no meu coração. I had a, a, an emptiness in my heart. Um grande vazio. A, a big empty space in my heart. Quando eu estava com as pessoas, tudo estava muito bem. When I was with all the people, everything was good. Mas quando eu ia para minha casa, home, que eu deitava na minha cama, and I would lay in my bed, era um vazio que consumia minha alma. It was an emptiness that would consume my soul. Quando eu estava sozinho, era um buraco muito grande na minha alma. When I was alone, it was just this big hole in my heart. E assim por muito tempo. And it was like that for such a long time. E meus 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 meus, meus irmãos já era, já estava na igreja, meu irmão já estava na igreja, minha mãe, meu, minhas irmãs. And my brothers, my sisters and my mom, they were already in church, already attending church. E falava, por que que você não vai para a igreja? And they would ask me, why don't you go to church? Deus pode mudar a sua vida, mudar a sua história. God can change your life and story. Mas e eu sempre estava com meus colegas, nós saíamos, brigávamos, voltávamos para casa. And I was always with my friends, we would go out and fight and then come home. Se eu fosse olhar o exemplo da minha casa, 
If I would look at the example in my household, eu era uma pessoa alcoólatra. I would have been an alcoholic. Se eu fosse seguir exemplo da minha casa, if I would follow the example in my household, I would have beat my children. Mas eu não era uma pessoa assim. But I wasn't this person. Porque Deus tinha um propósito. Because God had a purpose for my life. Assim como Deus tem um propósito na sua vida. The same way He has a purpose for your life. Porque aquele vazio consumia minha alma. Because that emptiness would consume my soul. Mas o dia que eu entrei na igreja. But the day I entered the church. A primeira vez. The first time. Estava minha esposa me esperando. My wife was there waiting for me. Mas antes de eu chegar lá na igreja. But before I get to the church. Eu orei a Deus. I prayed to God. Falei, Deus. I said God. Eu já estou cansado de estar sozinho. I'm tired of being alone. Preciso de uma pessoa. I need someone. Não por um dia. Not for one day. Não por um mês. Not for a month. Não por um ano. Not for a year. Para sempre. Forever. Eu não sabia. Eu orei falando para Deus, falando da minha maneira. I prayed and I, I, I prayed it to God and I said it in my own words. I didn't know. E quando eu cheguei, Jesus já estava com a bênção para mim. And when I got there, Jesus had my blessing. E ela me recebeu. And she was uh, an usher at the door and received me in. Toda alegria. She was very happy. Um morenão de 1,78m. This uh, handsome, tall man. Forte. <laughs> Strong. Saudável. Healthy. Ela não, não resistiu. She couldn't resist. <laughs> Quando ela viu o negão, ela falou, é isso que eu quero. When she saw this um, big, tall man, she said, I, this is the, the one for me. E quando eu entrei na primeira vez na igreja. And when I walked in the first time in the church. Jesus mudou a minha história. Jesus changed my story. Porque eu precisava de Jesus. Because I needed Jesus. Jesus tinha um propósito na minha vida. Jesus had a purpose in my life. Jesus precisava mudar a minha história. And Jesus needed to change my story. Se eu tivesse ficado no exército. If I had stayed in the army. Talvez eu não tinha conhecido Jesus. Maybe I wouldn't have met Jesus. Talvez eu não sei o que seria de mim. Maybe I wouldn't be who I am. Mas eu quero falar para você nessa manhã. But I want to tell you this morning. Quando nós vamos até Jesus. When we come to Jesus. Nós estamos cansados. When we are tired. Ele alivia nossa alma. He lifts our burdens. Ele gives rest to our soul. Ele traz uma nova história na nossa. And he brings a new story into our lives. E quando eu cheguei ali. And when I got there. Jesus mudou a minha história. Jesus changed my story. Aquele vazio que eu tinha no coração. That empty space I had in my heart. Era o tamanhozinho de Jesus. It was the size of Jesus. E ele entrou. And he came in. E ele mudou a minha vida. And he changed my life. Eu aceitei Jesus em 1985. I accepted Jesus in 1985. E eu tenho 37 anos que eu sirvo ao Senhor. And I am 37 years serving the Lord. Ele nunca deixou eu sair dos caminhos dele. And he never let me stray from his path. Ele nunca deixou eu desviar da presença dele. He never let me go away from his presence. E eu tenho ensinado meus filhos o caminho que ele deve. And I've taught my children the way of the Lord. Eu tenho ensinado a minha família o caminho que ele deve. And I've taught my family the way they should go. E quero dizer para você. And I want to tell you. Não existe outro caminho. There is no other way. Não existe maior prazer do que estar na casa do Senhor. There is no no better pleasure than to be in the house of the Lord. Não existe maior alegria do que servir a Deus. There is no bigger joy than to serve God. E ele está aqui nessa manhã. And he is here this morning. Da mesma forma que ele transformou a minha vida. The same way he changed my life. Ele pode transformar a sua vida. He can change yours. Porque a maior alegria do ser humano. Because the greatest joy of the human 
being. É o nome dele está escrito no livro da vida. Is their name to be written in the book of life? A maior riqueza do homem. The, the biggest richness you é can have. Jesus como seu único suficiente. It's to accept Jesus as your one and only savior. Sem Jesus nós não somos. Without Jesus we are nothing. Sem Jesus nós não temos direção. Without Jesus we have no direction. Só Jesus é a nossa direção. Only Jesus is our direction. E eu louvo a Deus. And I worship God. Por essa oportunidade de estar aqui nessa igreja. For the opportunity to be here in this church. Porque Deus falou comigo há muitos anos atrás. Because God spoke to me many years back. Usou um pastor. He used a pastor. Que estava numa conferência. Who was in a conference. E ele falava que via eu tomando conta de uma ovelha, de ovelhas. And he said that he saw me looking after sheep. E eu tinha muito medo. And I was very scared. Porque pastor não é fácil. Because being a pastor isn't easy. A vida do pastor é muito difícil, é porque é muito peso. The life of a pastor is hard. There's so much weight. E eu falava para minha esposa, não, eu não quero ser pastor. And I would say to my wife, I don't want to be a pastor. E nós tínhamos uma irmã na nossa igreja, ela tinha 70 e poucos anos de idade. And we had a sister in our church, she was in her 70s. Ela não enxergava, ela era cega. And she was blind, she couldn't see. E ela me conhecia pela voz. And she knew me by my voice. E um dia ela falou, eu ia passando, ela falou, pastor João, and é, I, João. And I was walking past, she said, John. É, eu queria falar um recado de Deus para você. I want to give you a message from God. Eu vejo você em outro país. She said, I see you in another country. Não, she told me. Ela, ela falou assim, eu, é, eu vejo você falando uma outra língua. She said, she didn't say that. She said, I see you speaking another language. E eu falei para minha esposa, nem português direito eu falo, como é que eu vou falar outra língua? And I said to my wife, I don't even speak Portuguese, right? How am I supposed to speak another language? E e aquela mulher entregou aquela profecia para mim. And she gave me that prophecy. Nós tínhamos uma vida muito boa. We had a good life. Eu tinha duas panificadoras. I had two bakeries. Eu era gerente de uma empresa de manutenção. I was manager in a, a maintenance company. Uma, uma grande empresa. A big company. E eu não precisava sair de lá. I didn't need to leave. Mas a palavra de Deus precisava cumprir na minha vida. But the work of God needed to be fulfilled in my life. E tudo aquilo acabou num piscar, num abrir e fechar de olhos. And all of that ended with a blink of an eye. Não me pergunta como. Don't ask me how. Eu não sei. I don't know. Mas Deus falou para mim que ia restituir tudo que eu tinha perdido. But God told me he would resurrect everything that I had lost if I did his work. E depois eu tive que vir para cá. And after that I had to come to Ireland. E quando eu vim para cá. And when I came here. Deus falou comigo se eu fizesse a obra dele ele ia me abençoar. God said to me if I did his work he would bless me here. E ele tem me abençoado. And he has blessed me. E eu estou aqui para testemunhar de tudo que Deus fez na minha vida. I'm here to testify of all the things that God has done in my life. Falo para você. And I tell you. Talvez você está aqui nessa manhã. Maybe you're here this morning. Talvez você tem um vazio na sua alma. Maybe you've an emptiness in your heart. Só Jesus pode preencher. Only Jesus can fulfill that. Only Him. E o melhor lugar de nós estarmos. And the best place for us to be. É na casa do Senhor. Is in the house of the Lord. Deus te abençoe muito obrigado. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor John. Wow, what, what a story. Recently, a couple of weeks ago, I uh, was asked to officiate at Nathaniel and Joanne's wedding. Um, many of you will know Nathaniel here, the, the long-haired Indian guy, you know, really cool guy. 
Um, and I, I was standing at the front waiting for, for them to all enter. And the way they do it, I believe, in, in Brazil is that, because Joani is, is uh, Brazilian, is they let the, the groom's party come in first and the groom comes in and then the bridal party comes in. So I'm standing at the front waiting. The, the best men come in, stand off to the left. And then they didn't tell me this, but, but this strange man walks in with, with uh, Nathaniel's mother. So this strange man walks in, and he walks Nathaniel's mother up to the front and then out to her seat. And then this, this strange man, he comes and he stands just in front of me. And I didn't know who he was. I, I thought, oh, did they arrange? Is this a, an official? Is this, who, who is this person? And um, I, so I, I reach out and I touch him on the shoulder and he's standing right in front of me and I'm waiting for, for Nathaniel and, and, and Joanne to come in. I, I, I touch this man on the shoulder and I say, who are you? And I'm saying all this with a smile on my face as if I know everything that's going on. Who, who are you? And he says, Nathaniel. And I didn't quite understand him. And so I stand back and pretend that I'm... Everything is fine. This is not a problem. And all this music's going on and the bride is starting to come out. The, bride, the bridesmaids are coming in and starting to sit down and everything. And I'm saying, who is this man? What is going on here? Why is he he's standing right here? And, uh, and then the thought comes to me, could it be Nathaniel? He had got his hair cut, brothers and sisters. He got his hair cut from this long hair, and it was short, and he, 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 he looked completely different. And here he was standing in front of me, and I'm, I'm trying to look around, you know, as, as, as calmly as possible to try and see, is, is this Nathaniel? And, and it was Nathaniel. <laughs> it was the bridegroom. It was, this, this was the reason I was here. And I nearly told him to go and sit at the back or could you move off to stand over there somewhere out of the way. You know, I nearly chased the bridegroom away. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Jesus, our bridegroom, is here. And sometimes we chase him away. Sometimes we don't recognize who Jesus is. Sometimes we can go through life and, and not realize that, that Jesus came 2,000 years ago because he loves us. And here was, here was the lover of the bride standing in front of me, and I didn't recognize him. And sometimes in our lives we cannot recognize Jesus we don't recognize how much God loves us. He loves us. God, Almighty God, loves us so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus died on a cross for a very good reason. See, you, you may be here, and this is, you're hearing these wonderful stories of how God changed, changes lives, but, but here's the bottom line, here's the issue with all of us. The Bible says this, all of us have sinned. We've all done 
wrong things. And if you're honest, if I was to ask you today, have you ever told a lie? Then you would agree with me. Yes, I've told lies. And if you don't agree with me, I would call you a liar. Because the truth is that we've all told lies and we've all done wrong things. And that's just one example, one, one example of, of how we stand before God. We, as a, as a whole human race, we stand guilty before Almighty God. We, we have done wrong things to each other, wrong things to ourselves, and wrong things to God. And it's called sin. And Jesus didn't just come for as, as a sort of an idea. I might just pop into the human race. He didn't. He came because there was an issue, this sin issue. And because of this sin issue, the Bible says that we are separated from God the same way, you know, the two Johns, uh, John number one was on the right side of, of human law, you know, and John number two did, did things that were, were questionable, more obvious, wrong things. It doesn't matter Friend, today, we all, as, as, as a human race, we're all on the wrong side. We're on the wrong side. And so Jesus came. He came because God has to deal with sin. He does. Because God is just. And God, as a just God, as a holy God, He must deal with sin. And there's two ways that, that, that our sin can be dealt with. Number one is that we don't avail of what Jesus did and we end up dying and we get punished for it. That's why Jesus came. Because there is a real punishment. There is a real consequence for sin. And the Bible talks about it and, you know, it's, it's, it's not a nice thought. It makes us uncomfortable. The two Johns both talked about being uncomfortable with, with the truth that they were hearing. And the truth is that, that sin must be punished. And the first way is that, is that we would take that punishment ourselves. And the second option is that God would take that punishment on our behalf. It's one of the other friends. It's one or the other. There is no alternative to that. And we can ignore those thoughts. We can try and suppress them. We can try and ignore the fact that there is, there is an issue between the human race and Almighty God, between us as individuals and Almighty God. We can ignore that or we can face up to the truth like the two Johns did. This bridegroom who presents himself to us today, Jesus, he loves us. Yes, he loves us. And the Bible tells us that, that he loves us so much, so much that he was, he was willing to come in the form of a human being and go to, go to a cross and take nails in his hands and a, and a crown of thorns on his head. And suffer and die 
to pay the price for my sin. That's what Jesus did. This bridegroom who we, we may not recognize this morning. That's what he did. He came and he died so that me and you don't have to pay the consequences for our own sin. He paid them on our behalf, friends. He did. Because he loves us. He loves us. Even if you're as handsome as John Ramos <laughs> or as, as not as handsome as I better not say a name. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your family name is. And it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how deep the sin runs. Jesus loves you. He loves you. And he is your bridegroom and he comes today and he presents himself to you and he says here I stand as a bridegroom and I love you and I'm calling you to me to be my bride to live with me forever and ever and ever and ever and not have to suffer the consequences for your own sin. And the Bible calls that eternal life. Eternal life. And there's that famous verse in the Bible that says, for God so loved the world, me and you, that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. That if we would believe in him, friends, if we would put our trust and him, if we would put all our, our eggs in that basket, as it were, if we would uh, take him and take his sacrifice and put our faith in what he did on that cross and him taking our punishment on the cross, if we would put our faith in Jesus and our hope in Jesus and our trust in Jesus, and if we would accept Jesus into our lives, as, as the two Johns talked about, accepting him in. If we would do that, brothers and sisters, we would step into a life, a different life today. Today, we would step into another life that never ends, that goes on forever and ever, as we've talked about. And it's, it's, it's heaven. It's heaven. And so the bridegroom is here. The price has been paid. And the invitation is given. Maybe you're here today. You've never heard this invitation before. But you want to take Jesus up at his invitation. Then you can do that today. And what will happen is eternal life will become yours. Jesus brings that life to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about being born again. This new life starts. Being born in. You're born into this new life. You're born of the Holy Spirit. 
God and the person of the Holy Spirit will come and live inside you. And, and you will live a different life. You will be completely changed. You won't not be you anymore. You won't be a weirdo. You'll be a Christian. You'll be completely different. It's a wonderful, wonderful life. And so the bridegroom is here today. And he, he issues an invitation to you. I want us all to stand. I want the worship team to come up. I want you to close your eyes this morning. We're at the end of our service and we've, we've heard great stories. And it's a decision time. I'd like everybody to bow, bow your heads, like the ushers to keep the back doors closed. Let's just be still, still for a couple of moments. Let's not move. This is an important moment. And by our heads. If you don't know that you're, you've got eternal life, if you're not sure that you're going to heaven, then this is your moment to say, Jesus, I want to receive eternal life from you. We're going to pray a prayer in a moment. I'm going to get you to repeat it. And what you'll be doing is saying to Jesus, the bridegroom who is here, you're going to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I ask you to forgive me, and I ask you to come and, and give me this eternal life. Come and, and dwell me through your Holy Spirit. New Testament makes it very clear that, that he will do that, and we'll be changed. But it's at your invitation. You, 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 have, a, you have a door on your heart, and you can open that door and let Jesus in, or you can keep it closed and close them out. If you're here this morning while, while people's eyes are closed, while everybody's considering, if you today want to say yes to Jesus and, and give, your, give your life to him and receive this eternal life, I want you to lift your hand and wave at me. Just, just let me know. I see, I see uh, two hands in the middle of the... I see four hands. Five. Six. Just lift your hand. We're going to pray. We'll pray in a moment. We'll pray a prayer together. Seven. Anybody else before we, we go to prayer? So this prayer, this prayer we pray, we pray directly to Jesus. You don't pray to me. You don't pray to your neighbor. You pray to Jesus who is here. And Jesus will answer your prayer directly, not through me, not through anybody else. He will answer your prayer directly and it'll come into your heart into your life and you'll be changed I want the whole church to, to just repeat this after me this is the prayer dear Lord Jesus thank you that you love me you love me enough to die for me you love me enough to come and speak to me this morning through the, the John stories, through your word. I want to say sorry for all my sins. Sorry for all the wrong things I've done. To other people and to you.
I ask you to forgive me. Ask you to cleanse me. Make me new, Jesus. Forgive me of all my sins as I choose to live my life for you. Let your Holy Spirit live inside me so that I, that I might have eternal life beginning today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, three things have happened to you. The first is that all your sins are forgiven because Jesus paid the price totally and completely on the cross. Every last one of your sins are forgiven. And it's the most amazing thing. You're free. You're free. Your conscience can now be clean before Almighty God. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The second thing that has happened to you is that the Holy Spirit now lives inside you. He is that friend that sticks closer than any brother. He will lead you. He will help you. He will guide you. He'll be with you. He will support you. And He'll actually walk you right home to heaven. The third thing that you have is eternal life, which means that you will live forever and ever and ever and ever. We'll be with Jesus. We'll be in heaven. Death no longer has this thing that it once had. We have eternal life. Hallelujah. 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 Church, can we just thank Jesus? Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.